and welcome to Season 4, Episode 4 of the Blackhawks Raycast. I am your host, John Jaco. Uh, with me tonight is our usual panel of miscreants, um, starting with Ray Napientech. Ray, how's it going, buddy? All right. Good. How are you doing? Thanks for having me on. You decided to talk Blackhawk hockey? Good to have you, dude. Good to have you. Um, not, not, uh, not to be outdone, Andy Campbell, how are you, sir? Doing well. Hey, everybody. Great to be back for another one. Talk some Hawks. Here we go. Cool. And last but not least, the writer to be named later, um, Sean Fitzgerald, also known as Sean Goldstein. What's happening, my friend? I'm doing good, John. Excited to talk uh, about an exciting team. Rocking a DK hat this evening. As yep. I see. DK, DK. I'm going to go through my uh, DK and then maybe Seabrook collection. I've got a couple of Seabrook hats. Those are, cool. I, I really like, I really enjoy the hats he helps design. So I'm impressed. I'm impressed. You, uh, you're rocking uh, a new lid just about every week here. And uh, there's, there's a high quality level. So yeah, I have a problem as my wife uh, states. Um, <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, it is the first step though. It, I, um, I've had it for years. I just, I can't, I'm trying to limit as many hats as I can buy. Me not being able to go to arenas and stuff like it helps. It helps me not buying them because every I always have to look. My wife tells me I have a problem, but it doesn't have anything to do with hats. <laughs> so we won't talk about that. Um, so, guys, uh, probably the big the big issue um, we're, we have lots to discuss, but probably I think the big thing right now is uh, is COVID um, seems to be. Uh, kind of uh, crashing over the league like a And uh, I'd just like to, to get you guys' feelings about it. I mean, what do you think the prospects are for the rest of the season? Um, is there anything that the, um, that the league can do to, uh, to overcome this? Um, let's start with uh, Sean. Yep, I'm a, big, um, I'm a big advocate of testing. I think you have to test, test, and test. Um, the league's policies that we kind of read, they don't test uh, daily, which I think they should. Um, I know they're taking steps to try to make airflow more of a thing, but if you, if you can't test trace and then isolate, there's really, there's, that's the best thing I think you can do. And if the NHL doesn't get on board with that, they're either going to have to go to a bubble situation or they're going to have to shut it all down. Andy, what do you what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't really know if there's any running away from this um, at all. I mean, I, I think without a bubble, you know, that obviously the Edmonton and Toronto scenarios worked out pretty well for the playoffs. But I mean, as long as there's travel and as long as there's, you know, if 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 players are you know in their home barns and then they're going home and they're going to and from and they're not really you know we just don't know who's isolating and who's not and. You know, you see, a, you know, I was, I was just right before getting on this on this uh, podcast, you know, you I was watching the Rangers and the Capitals and you see in the face off and you see, you know, uh, you know, uh, they were highlighting Artemi Panarin and Ovi and they're kind of, you know, knocking each other's heads a little bit and speaking to each other and joking around. And, you know, it's not 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 an indictment on those two players or anything, but I mean, as long as there's going to be body contact, people coming together, travel associated with it. I don't, you know, the, the rapid testing in Toronto, I think is a good step. It's a good idea. I think this glass idea that they're doing is uh, just a bunch of smoke and mirrors. I don't really, 
I, I don't, I don't really see that being a, a huge benefit to creating more ventilation. Again, I have no, I have no clinical background in any of this stuff, but um, yeah, I, uh, you know, I like Shawnee's points a lot, but I, I think if it's going to go through the NHL, it's going to go through the NHL. And if they need to stop and pause and postpone, um, you know, I certainly wouldn't race to prioritize vaccinating professional athletes or anything like that. Uh, the optics around that would be really, really bad. Um, I don't know. I mean, I COVID, I mean, we're almost a year in as, as, as Americans and it's as unpredictable as ever. What can you say? Well, uh, we're going to find out what Rain APN tech has to say right now. <laughs> I always thought it was going to be a crapshoot. That's for sure. I, you know, when, when you've got a lot of activity, you got, you got to trust the players and, and, and you could do everything right. And still test positive. Um, right. And for every step that maybe you aren't, if you're going out, if you're doing things, whatever these guys are doing, uh, you know, personnel are doing, you know, you've got to be able to trust. And, and that's where if you put them in a bubble, you know, I mean, obviously we saw that was successful, that worked. Um, but I was always skeptical about, you know, how this season was going to go about. Um, you know, the testing is obviously something that should be ramped up, you know, like the Maple Leafs were doing, like Andy had talked about. But, you know, for me, you know, I'm not a rush to go back and watch these games. It's just a sport, you know, to kind of piggyback off, you know, what you guys have been saying as well, that, um, you know, there's, there's bigger uh, issues than, you know, getting, getting these guys, uh, the, the vaccination, stuff like that. So, uh, but for me, you know, I was always, you know, 50-50, we get through it, fantastic. If not, you know, what, how are you going to go about and play the playoffs in next year? How are you going to do the draft? How are you going to, you know, is the 21 draft going to be the 22 draft? You know, <laughs> juniors aren't playing, you know, there's so many things that are going in, in, into it, but, you know, sticking with the Blackhawks, you know, taking down the, uh, you know, taking down the, the glass and stuff. I joked earlier that, you know, they should keep the uh, fan blowing that, you know, blows the, during the national anthem, it blows the flat, you know, keep that going. That'll solve all the, you know, no, you're just, you know, you're, you're trying to do as best as you can, but, um, you know, if they ended up having to uh, stop the season, I wouldn't have been, I, I, I wouldn't be shocked one bit. Yeah. I, you guys have, uh, as usual, uh, made it hard for me to add anything, uh, you know, insightful. Um, I, I think that, I think, you know, I also believe, and I, you know, when I read the tweet today about the Maple Leafs going to, you know, tests of everybody entering the building. I thought, well, gee, you know, why, why didn't they do this for all, for all the teams that started the season? You know, I mean, um, it's, but it's, it's imperfect. Um, you know, the, the, these people know how to run hockey teams. Well, most of them anyway, um, and run a hockey league again, most of them anyway. Um, but, uh, they're not epidemiologists. They're not uh, public health officials, um, and therefore, you know, they're, they're not, they're not going to get it right the first time. Unfortunately, when you don't get it right the first time people get sick. And, um, you know, I'm with you, Ray. I, I think if they, if they lose a season, it's not the end of the world for me personally, as a fan, however, um, I do believe that what, you know, what happened last year and, you know, the, the potential ramifications this year could seriously impact the league, um, and some of the teams in the league, you know, and, uh, um, that would be a shame um, because when, whenever we do get back to quote unquote normal, um, uh, will our will our you know National Hockey League be anything resembling what we, what we knew as normal? Um, so uh, it's God, you know there's no easy way out of this you know there, there hasn't been since March of last year, um, and uh, hopefully 
they'll uh, figure some things out and implement some some protocols that uh, can uh, right the ship and and uh, keep keep the season going. Um, you know, but uh, yeah, it's kind of a mess right now, and it, it doesn't look like it's getting better. You know, so let's pivot, um, guys, and and we'll uh, stay on the topic of quote unquote illness, but uh, move away from COVID. I think. Um, so last week, I think we uh, we learned that the the rumors that were going about about Jonathan Tapes were in fact not true, which is arguably the best news I think we've had all year, um, based upon what we were hearing. Um, and without going too much into that, um, but the fact remains he remains out, um, and I you know I'm gonna I'll start this one off I guess and say that. Um, the fact that uh, he's still out, there is no timetable for his return. I think, you know, Stan Bowman in his comments last week said that uh, it was possible he could return. Um, but you got to wonder, um, whatever this is that's keeping him out this long, you know, and as you go through the things that it could potentially be, and I won't go into all of them, but one of them that you have to look at because he has a history of concussions is uh, CTE. And uh, I'm not saying that's what he has. I haven't heard that from anybody. But actually, if you think about the rumor that was going around um, and the fact that uh, apparently the, the symptoms of CTE can, can um, uh, mimic uh, more serious symptoms like what the rumor was that was going around, um, it's serious. I mean, and, he, and, you know, a return to hockey may not ever be in the cards, but thank goodness, you know, he's... He's, uh, you know, he doesn't have a, a, a fatal condition, a terminal condition. So um, I don't know. It's, I, I still feel like, um, um, you know, the, I think the team may know more than they're letting on, um, which would not be unusual in the NHL regarding injuries. Um, and they may still be um, protecting his, his privacy. But I, I will add that I, I do believe that it is not what was rumored and boy, that is good news. Um, as far as, um, you know, Jonathan Taves and, and his future, um, you know, in, in some role, um, even if it's not, uh, as a pro hockey player. So I'm going to turn this one over to Andy. What do you think, man? Yeah. I mean, I don't, you know, it's again, like you mentioned, it was somewhat of a relief when, when Stan Bowman publicly commented on it for the first time, I don't suspect we're going to hear another public comment for, for a while on this. Um, and, you know, to a certain extent, I, you know, I mean, personally, I'm, I'm at peace with that. You know, I don't really need to know everything that's going on with Jonathan Taves, as long as he is getting healthy and, and living a life that is, you know, as plentiful as possible with or without hockey skates on, um, the idea of him coming back, I obviously love it. I think what, what would be crushing is if Jonathan Taves did come back. And then this either resurfaced or, or a few games in somehow you just, he, it, it's just not there anymore. Um, and that would be as a fan, very difficult to watch. Um, so, I mean, I, you know, again, I, I, I do, I do agree with you, JJ. I think the Hawks know more than they're letting on and that's okay. And that's fine because, you know, I, I don't know if Jonathan Taves might just be like, look, just please leave me alone. Don't talk about this. You know, I don't, I think Stan Bowman alluded to that he was still hearing from Jonathan Taves on a regular basis, if I read that correctly. Um, but, you know, whatever whatever's going on, or I, for all we know, the Hawks maybe and Jonathan have agreed that saying, look, this is going to be a really short season. This doesn't make any sense for you to come back right now. You know, just take a, you know, I mean, if you remember Mario Lemieux in 1995, 
they had a shortened season and he took a one-year medical leave from the game of hockey and just said, my body needs a break. Um, you know, so, I mean, stuff like that has happened before. Uh, that's what I hope it is. I hope it's, a you know, just a, an absence for now and that they, it gets sorted out and he's, uh, he's back with the Hawks. Um, if not, uh, then whatever decision he makes is, is for the interest of his long-term life health. And uh, that's pretty much all I got on it. All right, Ray, what do you say? Yeah, speculation's always tough. I mean, you hate to read it. You hate to see the rumors and stuff like that. And, and that's what it is. I mean, it's speculation. Nobody knows unless you're sitting next to him or you've talked to him, stuff along those lines. Or, you know, Stan came out and said, this is it. You know, so, and it's tough because, it, right, he's the captain of the team you follow, the team you cheer for. Uh, you know, he's the captain at a you know, big part of three Stanley Cup championships. There's a piece that, you know, you're, you're still like, man, you hope he's okay. What's going on? You know, you, you try and live through these guys a little bit sometimes too, uh, you know, being a fan and a, a fan and a former <laughs> athlete, but uh, you know, you just hope that everything's going to be okay. And at the end of the day, he's back out on the ice doing all right. So, uh, but that's the hardest part, you know, he's the, the captain of the team you've been cheering for uh, all your life. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, speculation, I, I don't even, you know, that, that's something I don't even touch and, and stuff along those lines. You know, I, you get comments, you get tweets, you get, you know, things go back and forth, you know, with, with trusted sources and, and us and stuff along those lines. But like I said, unless you hear it from, you know, Jonathan Taves or you hear it from Stan or something along those lines, it, it, it's just all speculation. Yeah. So, uh, but you just wish him the best because, you know, he's the captain of the team you, you're cheer for. So hopefully he's doing all right. Yep. All right, Fitzgerald, hit me like I stole your milk money. <laughs> um, I don't know if I can do that, but uh, yeah, like like everybody said, I'm just I'm uh, I'm more leaning towards Andy. I hope just he, regardless of what it is and if he can play in the future, just take this season off, um, just rest, try to get healthy, whether it's healthy enough to play or just healthy in general. I think I mean we're already ten. Or what they're 11 games into a 56 game season already so I'm glad that what we what the big rumor was wasn't the case because that would have been um that been really hard to handle so I'm glad it's not that and hopefully in the future we'll hear something from him but it's never good to speculate so I guess no news is good news right so I mean that, that's where we're at here. If he can play again, awesome. If he's going to move on, great. Uh, he's done enough. So I'm happy either way. Awesome. Um, so let's pivot again. Um, there's a game going on right now as we're, as we're recording live. That's probably why we have um, less than our usual seven or eight listeners on Facebook. Um, but uh uh, our uh, own Eric Andrews in our uh, rink staff chat um, commented a few minutes ago that, that Lankinen is human after all. And this is uh, a follow-up to a little bit of a debate that we had uh, a couple of days ago around Lankinen and, you know, where to kind of how to rate him right now. I, I, I was Mr. Sunshine and, and roses. And I put, I put myself out there and said, wow, wouldn't it be great if the one thing the Hawks got out of the season was a, was a, you know, a really, good top 15 starting goaltender in the NHL. And, and you guys just whizzed all over my cornflakes and told me I was getting way out ahead of myself, et cetera, which I, I, I have to say, honestly, wasn't, I just said, what if, you know, 
um, based upon his performance. And it looks like the last eh, game and a half or so, he's been a little more human. Um, although, you know, if you listen to Pat Foley, you'd think that uh, he was, you know, definitely a shoo-in for the Vezina this year. Um, but uh, again, I, I feel like there is something about him in terms of the way that he has come and uh, kind of claimed the job over a couple of guys who have more, way more NHL experience than he has. And it seems like the team has a lot more confidence in him. And we have a couple of questions from our uh, uh, viewers and listeners that are relating to Lincoln and later that we'll get into. But uh, I will we'll pull the panel here on, you know, what you guys think. You know, again, I think we're all in agreement. It's a little early to say he's point, but except for the fact that he who can be in the mix um, for the Hawks, perhaps for the next few years. Frozen John. Oh. Shawnee, what do you think? Um, so <laughs> I hope he's, I hope he's uh anti Ranta. Like that's, that's my hope for him. Like some, somewhere close to or better than anti Ranta. I, I don't want him to be Lars Johansson, uh, who was also like another European goalie they brought over that thought was going to be good. But I mean, anti Ranta is an NHL starter. He, when he's healthy, he's good. Uh, he just can't stay healthy. So, um, but the hype around Lincoln is way out of control. Not, not just John, you know, throwing it out there and us peeing his Cheerios. If you Google his name, Calder trophy comes up every search. So I think everybody needs to pump the brakes on that a little bit, but ultimately for his career trajectory, I think anti Ronto would be fine. But if he's, if he's, if he's a decent goalie and like top 15, I mean, that's, that's a huge plus. Nobody thought that we'd get out of this season. So, yeah. Yeah. I think right. if you, if you probably had a guess who, had, or, you know, put an MVP on the season through 11, 11 games. Yep. Uh, don't quote me on that. Maybe we're maybe. playing 12 tonight, but yeah. yeah 12 is tonight. Yep. Um, you know, he's probably your, your most valuable player. You know, my Caner might be an obvious answer to that as well. But um, I think the biggest thing for me is you, you see a, it's not hope. You're not like, man, he's, you know, seven dings off the goalpost. Um, you know, he's flopping all over the place, making some crazy saves or, you know, he's not playing behind, you know, a, a New Jersey defense back in the day, trapping everybody. He's just positionally sound. Um, I think he, uh, he's athletic, you know, he moves really well. Um, you know, Finland, Finnish goalies, they, they've got a great, great pipeline. Um, they do a great job over there with, with goaltenders. So, um, you know, those are things that are, that are positive to me, you know, that to say, Hey, you know, he's got a 935 safer percentage the rest of his life. No, that's not going to happen. Um, but you know, he's, he's not playing behind the best of defenses. Um, he's showing that he can make saves showing that he can, um, you know, stop some pucks in some tough areas. I mean, some high danger areas, he, he's making some saves. So, um, you know, and obviously JJ, I mean, <laughs> he throws something in the chat box. 75% chance I'm going to jump on it. Um, no matter who you are, 85% if you're Aaron. Um, but you know, it's just, you know, it's early, you know, you don't know. I mean, that's something where I say, Hey, you know, he gives up seven goals. I'd love to see that. I don't want him to give up seven goals, but how does he react? 
they go back to Delia or they go back to uh, uh, Subban and then he's got to come back or, you know, Hey, he has a crappy game. He's got to sit for two. He's got, you know, or has an okay game or, you know, they decide we're going to go a different direction. You know, there's a lot that goes into the NHL and then you also not traveling like you are, you know, you're playing some back-to-backs at home. So you're getting a little bit different than what he'd be getting, uh, you know, if, if it was a, a, a normal regular season, but he's been the team MVP. Um, if, if not him, it, it's Kaner, but, you know, it's just, there's no luck to it to me. You know, sometimes you see those goalies early on and you're like, oh man, he's, you know, this guy's lucky. I mean, he, uh, I, I mentioned it earlier too, that, you know, hey, they're going to get a book on him. These guys are good. These are the best shooters in the world. Um, you know, can you come second time through, third time through, um, you know, when these guys start to get a feel for you, um, video on you a little bit more um, in NHL games, not just necessarily um, video, but video in NHL games, you know, do they start picking you apart and stuff like that? Um, you know, then if at the end of the season, hey, you're thinking, man, we got ourselves a, a potential number one. Like you said, JJ, that would be fantastic. Andy, what do you say? Yeah, I mean, I can't add a whole lot more. Um, obviously, it, it, it's great. Good for him. You know, I mean, he, you know, he's he's come up, he's established himself. He looks like an NHL goaltender. He's had a really, really hot start, you know, to raise point. He's probably been other than Patrick Kane and um, and maybe even Connor Murphy who I know people, a lot of people aren't too fond of, but this is the best 11 game stretch in Connor Murphy's career in Chicago. Um, he's, you know, Lanky's been the guy. Now he's going to need a night off every now and then, you know, they can't keep playing him every other night. Um, you know, a little leaky in the beginning of the game, the goal Ajo scored earlier tonight that I just caught a glimpse of, you know, it was a little, you know, somewhat pedestrian. But at the same time, you know, and for the record, JJ, I was not one of those people that jumped all over you when you did Calder talk. Because I, I threw, don't think I was either. I threw it out there as well at one Ray point. Ray was for sure. <laughs> Ray was for sure. But, Ray was. But I now we we do we've got a long way to go. If this is who he is a month from now, though, and and honestly, if you were to pull any analyst, any NHL analyst right now, and said, "Give me the top three on your Calder watch," he's going to be on that list. Um, and that's where we are. And it's exciting. Now I was very excited at one point in my life about Jocelyn Tebow. So, <laughs> you know, I, so, you know, I gotta, I gotta limit my own expectations with a lot of things. Um, but hats off to him, you know, I mean, it, it, could he be their starter for years to come? We just need to, you know, see this whole thing play out. Um, you know, he might just be hot right now and he might cool off, you know, and Ray, to your point, if he gets a game where he gets embarrassed, where does he go from there? Um, and that's probably coming, but, but right now that's our, he's our number one goalie right now. And, and the Hawks, you know, to, uh, you know, Sean, and you mentioned this earlier, an exciting team an entertaining team. Um, and after the first couple games, you know, where you're, when we saw them get slaughtered against the lightning, I, I didn't actually think this was going to be a team that I tuned into very often or wouldn't want to. Um, and they've been competitive and he's been a big reason for that. So, um, hopefully he can keep it going rooting for him. Yeah, that goal that he gave up to uh, to Ajo, I, I had an opportunity to see a uh, replay here. And it's about eh, 50 feet out. And it looks like he may have been screened, though. So yeah. I can't see uh, on the size of, of the replay I'm looking at. But it looks like he may have been screened. And, uh, you know, if you're screened, it could be 100 feet out. You know, It's, yeah. it's kind of tough. So, um, yeah, I mean – uh, we, and we've got a question about, about Lincoln and uh, actually a couple of questions that, that touch on him and we'll get to those in a second. Um, let's real quickly, before we dive into the questions, cause we've got three tonight. So there'll be a lot of discussion around those. 
Um, let's real quickly um, talk about anything else with the team that you guys are noticing of late. I think um, Ray's, Ray's favorite uh, young defenseman, Ian Mitchell, appears to be uh, tightening it up a little bit and maybe uh, getting, you know, finding his feet in the NHL. Um, but did you watch the pregame show? Because Conroy showed him getting blo- his doors blown off in the pregame show. I didn't watch it. I didn't. Yeah. Watch it, but I, I well, had it on, and he, uh, his positioning was bad, and um, he got beaten. And then, of course, the guy I despise, Zadarov, got his doors blown off. Oh well, yeah, that's a different. Story. Well, here's the thing, though, with Mitchell is that you know he's gonna he's gonna have it's gonna be a two steps up, one step back, or one step up, two steps back process you don't come in to the NHL with zero pro experience and just all of a sudden the light switch goes off, especially on defense. And you're going to, and you're not going to make any mistakes. He's going to still make mistakes, but it did appear the last couple of games that he wasn't quite as lost perhaps as he had been previously. And I'm going to turn this right over to Ray to see (laughs) if I'm just completely smoking crack again. Go for it, Ray. (laughs) You know, and we had talked about this before. It looked like he was a split second slow on his decision-making, um, which, I mean, that you're, he's playing against the, the best players in, in the world, um, you know, versus the, you know, being at, at Denver, you know, so, I mean, there is some adjustment period there. Um, you know, you'd be worried if he couldn't skate, if he couldn't defend, if he, you know, is he putting, uh, you know, body on body? Is he, is he using his stick? Um, you know, is he a turnstile? You know, is he just completely clueless out there? You know, if he's got the skills, if he's got the ability, you, you hope that the speed of the game eventually is, is going to slow down for him. Just looks really fast. You know, the quarterback that just can't make that split decision. We're in Chicago. We've seen that. You know, can't <laughs> make that split decision to, to make a play. So, you know, that's for me. I would be more concerned if he, he couldn't, you know, if his skating wasn't NHL or he, he just, you know, didn't have the skill. I think the skill's there. We all know that. People have seen that. You know, scouts have talked about it. It's just that decision-making process, where to be, what to be doing. These guys are a hell of a lot faster than what I'm used to. You know, I think the one thing that you see, uh, you know, where you get him a car, you get somebody that that jump um, and they can play right away and they're studs right away, that's talent. I mean, it really is talent because it's a big jump from the NCAA to the National Hockey League. So, um, you know, that's something that, you know, hey, it's playing out of here a little bit, but I know I've been, you know, a little bit uh, down on him, but if it's the decision-making side of things, it's the speed of the game. Um, you know, if that comes along, he's, you know, that that's better than the other side that you think, man, he's, he's can't, he was not physical. He can't skate. So we'll see how it goes, but yeah, I mean, he's been, been definitely a step behind. Just looks like he's trying to process it. And it's tough to do. You can't do that against the best in the world. Andy. I mean, I agree with all that. I, you know, I think, you know, JJ to your, to your point, I think he's been a little bit better of late. I still think he's a good prospect. I'm certainly not ready to just like be rid of him or anything like that. Um, and, you know, and Ray, to some of your points about the college hockey game, I mean, in the, in the NCHC, Ian Mitchell in his sophomore and junior years at Denver was probably the best skater in the conference. And when that happens, you can take shortcuts, you can take risks and you have the ability to recover a lot better than you do. I mean, we've, we've seen a very young Duncan Keith being able to do that at the NHL level where he's just so fast, he can get back. So I think in those early games, you saw Ian Mitchell trying to make all these big plays. I mean, he wasn't making a tape to tape, you know, 20 foot pass. He was trying to do the home run pass. His pinches weren't great. 
his gap control wasn't there. And I think he's just used to being able to dictate a little bit more and fly around. Yeah. Well, now everyone is just as fast as he is. And um, he has to learn the, de the defensive mindset of the game. And it's not just, he can't take the shortcuts that he could at the college level. And that's not, I'm not saying those shortcuts, what he was doing was bad. I mean, he was dominating a college game. Um, but that jump, that leap, Ray, as you said, was, is very significant. And again, I mean, you know, the two, the two big prospects that have gone through the hype machine in Chicago lately have been two defensemen who, you know, aren't, aren't as game ready and lightning in a bottle as, as, you know, people are hoping for. And people need to temper those expectations. They just do because it, it takes some time. So. Yeah. I mean, and I, you raise a really good point and, and Ray, you know, um, I've, I've gone head to head with our friend Aaron uh, uh, several times over the last couple of years around how steep that, that jump is from the NCAA to, uh, to pro hockey, much less the NHL. And I completely agree with that. You know, you raise a really good point too about Kale McCarr and how a guy like McCarr with his level of talent can come in the league and pick it up really quickly. And, you know, it's unfortunate and this is not Ian Mitchell's fault at all, but the Blackhawks, um, and the front office, I think, set these guys up for failure to a degree with how much they hyped them. Um, he's the third guy, really, maybe fourth in the last three or four years, um, who've, who've been so heavily hyped before they've arrived that when they arrive, anything less than absolute brilliance is, is going to set them up for disappointment with the fans and abuse. And um, I just – I. Because because he, Ian Mitchell is a good prospect, and but he's not he's not on the level of a Kale McCarr. He's probably never going to be, because Kale McCarr is going to be probably a generational talent um, or close to it. Um, but yet, you boy, you you ask Hawk, Hawk fans a year ago, this guy was the second coming of Bobby Orr. Why? Well, because people keep saying that. Well, you know, caveat emptor, guys. Seriously. Um, and, and it's a shame. I mean, I think he's going to be okay. I, I, Boquist, as we've talked about, we talked about last week, is the one I worry about more. Um, you know, but what's his name? The, he, I've already forgotten him. Secura, Dylan Secura. Tumbleweeds, crickets, yeah. you know. I mean, I don't even know where he is now. I mean, and he was going to be the guy, you know. And Kirby Doc, um, he appears to, you know, to have a, a really good future. We don't know how good that future is yet. We don't. We don't know whether he's going to be a wing or a center. Um, you know, we don't, we don't know how quite how good he's going to be, but we know he's going to be a good player, but still, I just wish this organization would, would stop with this relentless hype of prospects. Um, because I don't, I actually don't think it's good for the prospects, um, at the end of the day, you know, um, Sean, do you have anything you want to add? No, I think you, uh, you guys have said everything about Mitchell that there is to say, I would say, I think the reason the organization hypes the prospects is because they don't have anything else to get us excited about right now. That's right. what I think is why Nick Schmaltz and um, Dylan Sakura, Kirby Doc, and now um, Boquist and now Ian Mitchell were so overly hyped. I think they're just trying to get the fan base excited about the next I mean, we were spoiled. Like Patrick Kane came right to the end. Jonathan Tate, we were spoiled with prospects that were good right away and could play at the NHL level. And now we're seeing that it takes time and development and stuff like that. And 
this new generation of Blackhawks fans isn't accustomed to that. Like they're just not. They're they're accustomed to Jonathan Taves right. playing and being captain at 19 right. years old. And that's why I think I think that's the biggest flaw with the marketing department and Stan Bellman overhyping kids like that. That's spot on, Shawnee. I mean, we are we're not I don't think in our lifetimes we're going to see two teenagers arrive as rookies that will just turn the franchise around like we did. That just doesn't happen. Um, it, it, it won't happen that often. I mean, I, I don't know, maybe once in 50 years, you know, kind of like the 50-year the storm that Bodie was all fired up about in Point Break, you know, and he sat on the beach at Bell's Beach, something like that. But, you know, I, I, it's, uh, it's too bad that, that, as you said, the Blackhawks, they don't really have any high-end forward prospects that are, other than Doc and like who are really early picks where you're just like, this is a can't-miss kid. So they, they designate players where it shouldn't be there. Ray, your host. JJ's gone. Yeah, and even with like you know, like with Mitchell and Boquist, you know, Boquist should have been in Rockford last year. Said that from day one. You know, he should have been playing in Rockford, learning the speed of the game, learning the physicality. Um, the, he was a boy right, playing with men. You know, Mitchell go to college. You know, does he have it? Um, you know, do you put him on the uh, taxi squad or whatever they call it, and you know, let him sit? No, he's you know, he's learning by fire and stuff like that. So. Um, you know, for me, that's a guy even that should be in Rockford. I mean, things are obviously a little bit different this year, but, um, you know, for me, a guy like Boquist to go back to him, I would have loved to see him play 18 minutes a night last year, um, in Rockford yeah. come up this year, see what he can do different, you know, different that one year is just going to be such a, a, a huge advantage for his, uh, future that, you know, then you start to worry about it, you know, to jump on Twitter, jump, you know, have arguments with people that he's never going to make it, or you don't know that he still only played 50 games. You, you have no idea. If you know that you should be, right. uh, you know, picking right. lottery numbers. So, uh, but for me, you know, I wish right. the organization had that thought process of we're going to stick him in Rockford and he's going to play 20 minutes a night and whatever happens happens. And then next year when we can be competitive and maybe we get some guys or this and this things fall in, I, I luck out on a good trade. I got myself a defenseman that's playing 16 to 18 minutes a night in the NHL. That's comfortable doing it. You're, it's, it's not, it's not him growing up, um, you know, watching us watching him on, on TV growing up. So it, it's just not the organization that, that they want to be. Ray, they should have done the Nicholas Bodan treatment. Like yeah. you, uh, I like watching the pregame Conrad was gushing over Nicholas Bodan in the last 10 games and just how, how well he's played and, he went to Rockford and he developed in Rockford and they brought him up on the taxi squad this year. And now he's played in what five or six games that not looked really out of place. So you, you have four, four guys that were full season Rockford guys last year that are, you know, dare I say impact players for the Hawks this year. You've got Hagel, Kur, Kur, how good has Kershaw been? Yeah. yeah. He's yeah. been awesome. Yeah. And um, you know, and then, and then you just mentioned Bo Dan and then Lanky. And so it, you know, those are four guys that that went down to the AHL and got hungry. Probably came in this year saying, "I'm going to make this team." And Boquist hasn't had that, you know, to him. He's always, and I, and this is not his fault, but it's always kind of been a given that he's going to be there. And so I, I don't. I mean, if you send him down to Rockford now and you try to light a fire under him, I think that'd be great. Yeah. You know, it's funny, Sean. You raised a really good point about uh, Taves and Kane making the jump from junior and college, respectively, right into the NHL and. Um, how 
I think there is a generation of Hawk fans who think that that's completely normal and, and acceptable. And, and, and to your point earlier about Makar, Ray, I mean, it is when, the, when we're talking about truly elite talents. And the fact of the matter is, as much as I do like Kirby Doc, I don't, it, it's probably unlikely that he's going to be, do everything that Jonathan Taves has done, you know, and, and there, there'll be that kind of player. Um, and again, it's unfair to put that expectation on him. He's going to be a good player, but I, I, you know, the problem is, is, is again, I, I think that Hawk fans, especially the, the latest generation of Hawk fans, they forget the many long decades in the wilderness that this organization went through before they just hit time after time. And they, they kept rolling sevens for about five or six years and all of a sudden, boom, they're back in, but they had to go through a lot of crap to get there too, you know? And, and, uh, this process is not going to be a couple of brilliant Stan Bowman draft picks and, Hey, we're back in, in the, in the big dance. It's not going to work that way, you know? Um, so you guys are making a lot of great points. And, and I, I think, boy, Andy, you just said that the argument has been, is really emerging and being proven as we, as we watch this season unfold, that time in the minors is, is better for these guys than, than shoehorning them into roles in the NHL that they're not ready for. You know, so uh, yeah, great discussion. I, I'm glad we uh, we did we dove back into this tonight. Um, so let's let's dive into some questions, shall we, gents? Cool. All right. So uh, on the subject of Lankinen, um, Shady, our guy uh, Shady Driver, um, asks: Is Bowman smart enough to know that the team will still need a starting goalie once the league operates a normal season with interdivisional play? So I guess uh, Shady's saying that he's not sold on Lincoln in. Um, and um, I guess the question is, is, is Bowman smart enough to, to, in spite of whatever hype is out there about Lincoln in, let's say he doesn't really um, maintain the blistering paces on now, is Bowman going to be uh, willing to, to, uh, to go out and push for an upgrade? What do you guys think? It's going to have to, you know, even if let's say at the worst, Lincoln in's a 30, 40, you know, goalie, a uh, game uh, guy, who else is in the organization that you think is going to play? Um, you know, it, they're not in the organization right now. Even if, you know, you think he's the number one after the season, you're still going to have to find somebody that can play meaningful minutes. Um, you know, and, and let's say, you know, like he becomes a, a top 10, top 15 guy, you're still playing 30, 30 games as the backup, 25 games as a backup, maybe in a regular season. So, in a normal 82 game season. So he's not in the organization right now. It's not Drew, um, you know, who was drafted last year. He's still a long way away. It's not maybe Delia, not Subban, you know, so, I mean, they would have to go out and, and get themselves a, a, a veteran that would be a, a good piece with Lincoln. Uh, Sean, what do you say? It depends on the direction of the team and what type of veteran they want to get. So if they're, if they're still in this rebuilding phase, obviously, like Ray said, you have to get a good goalie. It's just what caliber of goalie do you get? Do you go get um, a Craig Anderson type um, to kind of just, you know, like play the 30 or 40 games Ray said? Or do you go go get somebody with more talent? I think ultimately the team is going to try, is going to have to need to get uh, – a Craig Anderson Ted, even when the Hawks were committed to moving over to Corey Crawford, they still went out and got Marty Turco. Even, even though Marty Turco was at the end of his run, they still went out and got a veteran who was there just in case the goalie, they, they thought they had anointed the future 
wasn't able to perform. So yes, I, they will have to go get someone. Just depends Andy. on what caliber. I, I like that take. Um, I, I agree. It, you know, if Lanky, you know, let's say he turns out to be everything more than what we ever imagined and, you know, becomes in the Calder conversation late in the season as a finalist, something like that. And the Hawks feel like maybe we have a starter. I, I would certainly agree that they need to need to assess, um, you know, a little bit. We, I mean, we won't even know at the end of this shortened season, even if he's fantastic, what he'll be like in an 80, 80 plus game season. And um, that, that takes its toll, um, particularly if you haven't done that uh, before in your career. So um, at any rate, you know, I, and I, the other thing that needs to be considered in this whole is we, we still don't know where the NHL and the Blackhawks are going to be economically after this season. Um, and I, you know, you still have Subban and Dealey under contract for another year. Um, so I, I, I actually wouldn't. So the, I, the question of is Stan smart enough to do that? He might ride out this goaltending trio and say, hey, we were really close. Um, we are, you know, we're, we're this close to being a contender, which we've heard from him before, you know, four or five years earlier after being swept, it was this unacceptable. This is absolutely unacceptable to be swept. We don't stand for this. And now it's, hey, we're getting close. Right. A, a little bit of a different message than, than, than we anticipated. But um, I would certainly be in favor, even if Lincoln and they decide is an NHL caliber number one goalie of getting him additional support. Um, and I don't know. And maybe Subban can fill that backup role. But now it, it seems like the clock has almost been punched on, on Delia here a little bit. Um, I don't know where he stands or if, you know, when when it's time to put Lanky on the bench to give him a little bit of a breather, if it's going to be Subban's cage and what's in store for Colin. Um, but we'll see. Yeah. Um... You know, the one thing, though, about Lankanen, and to answer this question, uh, there was some scuttlebutt um, over the summer that the Hawks organization was pretty high on him. Um, and they felt like, you know, there was some, some whispers, if you will, that uh, uh, they that Lankanen was the guy they saw as being a potential number one for them. And to the extent that that's true um, and that they felt that way, especially if Stan Bowman felt that way, then I think that, you know, Bowman being Bowman, he's going to, he's going to tilt the table in that direction. Um, if he, if there's a decision on whether to ride him um, or to go out and find somebody else, um, you know, cause Bowman always loves to re publicly reinforce his own, his own judgments and picks. He loves to do that. So he'll get the benefit of the doubt, you know? Um, and I think at this point, and this will answer a question we had from Jack, uh, the lovely Jackie Davis, um, you know, do you guys feel that Lankinen will be the number one going forward? I think, although it's only been six games or so, seven games, I, I think that he has done what he had to do to win the job. Um, in, largely because, or in part because there were people in the Hawks organization saying he was going to be the guy who was going to step up and win the job. So they love to be validated. And um, so he's going to get every chance to, to keep the job, I think, at this point. And um, it may not be fair, especially to Colin Delia, who's, you know, stuck around and battled through some really crap, a couple of really crappy seasons and, and has, has really shown a lot, I think at times. Um, and, uh, you know, Malcolm Subban didn't ask to be traded into this situation too. So, but, um, as long as Lincoln ends outplaying the other two and he sort of has at this point, um, yeah, I think, I think that makes sense. So last question, and this comes from our guy Shady as well. Um, and this is a great question, and, and I have a point of view on this, and I'd love to hear you guys 
um, knowledgeable guys like you guys, your, your point of view on it. Here it is. Do you notice the team playing tighter defense this year versus how they played in front of Crawford in years past? Uh, Ray. Is Ray frozen? I'm here. They're playing a collective team defense. I think the forwards are playing defense. Um, You know, they're, they're better on the back end for sure. I mean, they're, they're a little bit more comfortable, but I think you're seeing a little bit more of all five guys playing below the dot or playing in the defensive zone, uh, making sure pucks are getting out before you're, before you're chasing the other way. Uh, you know, almost like we, we talked about, you know, Mitchell a little bit in college, he was able to get away with stuff. The Hawks were used to being able to get away with stuff because you had Donks and you had Jalmerson and you had Siebes and you had Oduya and you had Campbell and you're able to kind of have that, type of mentality. And it was tough to maybe make some adjustments with, with JC behind the bench. Uh, but I, I think collectively they are playing more of a team game um, defensively than, than they have in the last the two years, last two years have been just, if you like defense, the last two years, you just, you wanted to jump in, uh, off a bridge. Um, so I, I think collectively they're definitely playing a, a lot better defense. Sean. I think they're, they finally bought into Jeremy Colleton's system. I mean, Jeremy Colleton was brought in to be like a more defensive. He had a defensive system they wanted to play. And the last couple seasons, it hasn't worked. And they just abandoned it and gone running and gunning. It seems like this season they've embraced that. And they've got some younger guys, too, that he coached down in Rockford that know his system. So I think that's what we're seeing. We're seeing the fruits of his uh, Rockford labor in that one. I, I would agree with all of that um, for sure. And I mean, I, I, I think they're obviously the, you know, those first few games were, were tough. Um, but I mean, Tampa, the, the defending champs, Florida is turning out to be no joke. Um, they're really, really good this year. You know, I think, you know, I went down that, that hockey reference rabbit hole as I always do um, a little bit too often, but you know, they, the first six games, they gave up three, uh, 3.8 goals a game uh, with Adam Boquist in the lineup. And then these last five games, it's been 2.2. Yeah, you can interpret that as a knock on Boquist's defensive play and them racing around, or just say that they were playing against tougher competition. There's arguments for both sides. Either way, those are facts. Um, you know, I and I I know I've said this, you know, and, and I I don't want to pound pound uh, the chest too much on this player, but Connor Murphy has been a lot better this year. Calvin DeHaan's been good. I think Duncan Keith has been physically tougher to play against then if you look at his body language and his approach, he's not racing around as much um, and trying to recover as he used to be, I think. And he's not pinching as aggressively. I think part of that is just, you know, age, but his game is more composed. Um, Bodan has been great when he's been up. Um, And I do think that a player like Kurashev, who is a two-way player um, and knows how to play 60 feet, and while I hope this player comes back from his injury and goes on to a fine NHL career, I do not miss watching Alex Nylander do rink turns right inside his own blue line. Um, you know, and I, I thought defensively last year that that was a that was a huge problem. Um, and their turnovers right inside their blue line um, with some of the young kids who were playing ahead of their time who shouldn't have been playing was evident. Um, so I, I just think that they and, and Shawnee, your point, I agree with 100 percent. I think they're starting to buy into Colleton. And um, they're, they're certainly playing for him. I mean, in 60 minutes, in the 60-minute games, they've been really, really good. I think where you really see where the talent level drops off 
is when they head to extra time. And when you see these three on threes, you just, you can see the Hawks just don't have the skill. They just don't have the skill players. They're, they're not there. And uh, I mean, it's Patrick Kane for four minutes trying to get something done. And then, but but you can, you can just see they've got, they've got a lot of young guns that are buying in that want to be NHL hockey players and play with a lot of grit. Um, But you can see the lack of uh, lack of the speed and the lack of the, the creativity when that happens. Lack of uh, having a centerman to win a face-off, too. That's part of it. I think Dabrinkit will help that. Um, And, and Ray, you're going to love this thought. Um, And I've said this before. I I do like Alex Dabrinkit as a hockey player. I don't like the way his contract was handled. I think think he is actually – you're going to see more from him moving forward. And I I, I actually think he's starting to play with something to prove. I thought the last game against Carolina, he was awesome. Uh, One thing that I loved seeing with him was if you saw in the three-on-three overtime – he had Kane. He was just below the dot. He had Kane, and all he had to do was put a little sauce on the pass, and he rushed it. And then Kane is has got 15 feet between him and the goalie to do Patrick Kane stuff. Yeah. Uh, and he didn't make the pass. And I don't know if you could see it on the TV, but when Debrinket headed back to the bench, he was furious at himself, and that was awesome. And I yeah. love seeing that because he he knows that he knows better, and I'm. I'm, I'm excited to watch him over this next stretch. Ray, that's for you. You owe me a Coke. Yeah, I don't, I don't have a problem with Alex Dabrinkit at all. I, I, I've always liked his competitiveness. Um, I, I questioned whether he had earned a $6 million a year contract when it was given to him, as I think you did, Andy. But um, no, I mean, the thing is, again, with Alex Dabrinkit, you, gotta, you just got to know what you can expect from him and what you really can't expect from him. You know, um, he's a really, he's a, he's a gifted offensive player. He's got a great shot, you know, and he's got good instincts for making and finishing plays. There's, there's no question about that. And um, just, you know, let him do that and, you know, put him in a situation where he, he can succeed. But and that's what goes back to the other comment. I mean, I remember three years ago when three on three was like saving the Hawks asses. Yeah. You know? <laughs> They, when they had Jonathan Taves and Kane and Keith, and they could roll those three guys out, and then they could follow them up with, uh, you know, um, Saad and um, Debrinkit, and they, they just had a lot more depth and, uh, you know, a lot more skill than they do now. And it's, it's painfully obvious when you see David Camp go out, lose a faceoff, and then high Taylor for the bench. I mean, I they had Marcus Kruger they could put out there to win a faceoff and then get right? off. Right. And uh, so it's, it's, it's just a kind of a, st- a statement on where they are right now, but uh, yeah. So great guys, as always, great discussion. I'm going to kind of wrap this thing up. Do you guys have anything, uh, any plugs you want to get in before we uh, close up shop tonight here in the puckhockey.com studios? Rockford uh, hogs versus wolves Saturday. Exciting. And it's Very free. Exciting. It's free on AHL TV for people to watch. So I'm going to, I'm going to tune in for a little bit on Saturday. Really, my wife, really my bummed wife doesn't know that yet, but <laughs> really bummed out Friday got, it got postponed, but uh, it, it'll be really, there's some of those prospects that, that I hope stay there for a little while that uh, could be fun to see how they do. Awesome. Ray, you got anything? I got nothing. I'm good. <laughs> oh, the Indy fuel are wearing, uh, hopefully I'll have a picture from my fuel tank. They're going to wear wonder woman jerseys tonight as part of their promotion. They wore double dare jerseys earlier this year for Nickelodeon. 
So uh, they're going to wear Wonder Woman jerseys. So that should be pretty cool. That's cool. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the minor league hockey and minor league sports in general are always good for the good the promotional stuff. So, yeah. Can't wait well, to see you wearing one when you bid on it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> my wife won't allow that. <laughs> behind you. You better be careful. <laughs> Oh, we lost you, JJ. Oh, again, again, again. Three, uh, three power play goals for the Blackhawks though during the this yeah. period. That's yeah, that's fun to watch and more competitive. They're a lot more entertaining to watch. That's for yeah, sure. for sure. I, after those first well, two games, I thought it was going to be bleak. Yeah, but now it's. I'm I'm excited to tune in to see what, uh, Kurishev, uh, Pius Suter, um. All those guys. I'm, ex- I'm, ex- I'm excited to watch yeah. those guys. Power, and Lanky, of course. Power play. We haven't we haven't seen a power play. A Hawks have a power play like this in some time. They're really they're really clicking on that. That was always the I mean, big. I, that was always the big mystery. Like they had so much talent, but they just never could score in the power play. Right. Yeah. A lot more movement. Not just King getting the puck at the half wall. Everybody stares at him. Yeah. Trying the the backdoor uh, cross. Over 40%. I mean, they're rocking and rolling. Yeah. I mean, they're probably near, I I don't have it in front of me, but they're probably near the top of the league. I thought they, at one point they were, but I think because Dallas had only played like two games or something crazy. (laughs) Power play has has really been, I think, carrying the Hawks so far this year. And, you know, hey, it's great. I mean, that's that's definitely an improvement over last year, you know. Um, Okay. So, couple things. Um, first, I want to thank our sponsors, puckhockey.com, P-U-C-K-H-C-K-Y. Uh, we are in negotiations with uh, the folks at Puck Hockey to perhaps introduce some new branded rink apparel that you all can go and buy and use that discount code, the rink, T-H-E-R-I-N-K, and get 10% off that and anything else at uh, puckhockey.com. Really cool stuff. Um, so we'll have more on that, including their CEO, Matt Marini, is going to be joining us on a raincast here in the next couple of weeks. Next week, we have a special guest, um, a, uh, an, a, a, an often contributor, the international man of mystery, Q Stash. He's uh, also one of an army of semi-official lawyers of the rank.com, and we need a lot of them. So um, Q will be here next week um, to offer his, um, his special insights. Um, on uh, the Hawks and all things legal pertaining to hockey as well. Although we've never asked them about that. Maybe we will this time. Um, talked about our sponsor, puckhockey.com. Great people. Again, get over there, check them out. P-U-C-K-H-C-K-Y.com. Um, Andy, thank you again, as always. Sean Goldstein, also known as Sean Fitzgerald. Thank you, sir. And the one and only Hockey Knapsack. Follow him on Twitter at, at Hockey Knapsack. You want to yep. spell that out, Ray, so I so you get that right for everybody. Yeah, N A P S A K, no C, knapsack. N A P S A K. So hockeynapsack.com. All right, Sean, what's your handle? Uh, it's Dizel three four two six D I E S A L three four two six. Right, and Andy, and now yours is always hard to remember. Andy Campbell sixteen. So A N D Y C A M P B E L L sixteen. It's like A C Mid at one time or something like that. Yeah, well that that was my hockey buzz name when oh, I was commenting on all your articles and trying to argue with you back in the day. 
I'm having a hockey bus flashback. Yeah, it's not that, a good thing. That's definitely what it was. <laughs> not but, a good thing. No. Um, it's like <laughs> a Vietnam flashback. Andy, sixteen, but number one in our hearts. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, I, I still remember my old buddy, Brian Lafferty, around 2009 was like, hey, if you really want to read good good uh, Hawk stuff, go to Hockey Buzz and oh, read this guy, nice. John Jekyll. I was like, okay. Nice. Yeah. The Brian Lafferty guy needs to have his head examined. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. And you talk to him, so tell him I said thank you. I really appreciate that. <laughs> Certainly will. 20 bucks, Father Arrow. <laughs> All right, folks. <laughs> let's, uh, let's wind this thing up. Um, to all of our Rink Rats, thank you for joining us tonight. Um, this this is available on, on the Rink.com page on Facebook. It's also going to be available on iTunes and other podcast platforms. Um, if Gabe was here, he'll tell you all, he would tell you all about them. He knows them better than I do. Um, but uh, this has been a great show. Um, we'll be back next week. Um, and look for our, uh, our three-game rack, uh, excuse me, Hawks recap. We'll be dropping in tomorrow or the day after. Um, to, to get all the, the uh, recap on the games that have transpired, including what looks like a hawk win today. So, until next time, we will see you on the ring.